Welcome to Greensburg Baptist Church. We welcome our church family and also our visiting friends. Thank you for coming to worship with us. To find out more about Greensburg Baptist Church, our upcoming events, and other church activities, visit our website anytime at greensburgbaptist.com. Amen. So this morning is going to look a little bit different uh, than a normal Sunday morning message. Um, the chairs that we are sitting in this morning, these are chairs that are from my office. They're chairs that we sit in basically every day that we're in the office. And we catch up with each other. We find out how we can pray for each other. We talk about the prayer requests that have been submitted through your registration forms. We talk about the prayer requests that are on our church prayer list. And then we get on our faces and, and we pray for each other and for you. So we, we hope that you knew that before you heard us say it just now, that we pray for you, whether or not you ever ask for it, but we do. That, that is something that we take very, very seriously. And it's, it's an honor for us to be able to pray for you. If you've ever been in my office, you'll notice this is the scripture that is on my wall. Uh, even before we remod- the office was remodeled, I had the same scripture on a different part of my wall. And I wanted to tell you just the significance of this scripture to me and how that was revealed. Within a couple of weeks after the Lord called me to the gospel ministry, he sent me to this particular verse, Jeremiah ten twenty one. And if you can read that on the screen, I know it's a little bit hard to read, but it says, The shepherds are senseless and do not inquire of the Lord, so they do not prosper and all their flock is scattered. And the Lord spoke to me in that moment and he said, you know, if you'll remember this verse, if you will bring your request to me, you'll be fine. But the moment that you try to do anything in your own strength, it's going to be a failure and all the flock will scatter. And so that's when I look up from my desk, that's what I see. That is that is the scripture I've seen. It's been some interesting uh, attention uh, or conversation starters with people. There's been people that said, I can't believe. I can't believe that's the verse that's on your wall. But that is one of the most important verses to me. And I want you to know, we do seek the Lord. We seek the Lord um, and His strength on a daily basis. Amen. Uh, this morning, as we kind of talk through discipleship a little bit, we wanted you to see it through the lens of, of Scripture. So it's not just like, hey, this is what we think. This would be really cool. You should try this. This is us trying to emulate or replicate or follow the example of Jesus, the master discipler, but also of those that he discipled and um, kind of what's been perpetuated throughout time. And uh, we thought it fit well this this morning because most of the time we think about Thanksgiving, we're thinking about family and relationships. And probably many of you probably sit down on a couch next to somebody and watch football or um, you hung out and are like, dude, I can't believe we just ate that much. Yeah, and I'm going to have some more dessert, right? Some of you, you did that, right? You were already miserable and you're still like, I still want a piece of pie, right? And so, um, or you were like maybe with my wife and I, we were trying to make sure that I got the last piece of pie and she didn't. Some of you, are, you're that kind of spouse or friend or little brother or sister. Or, yeah. Um, so anyway, we just thought this morning would be relationally, um, that kind of what that looks like as we think about Thanksgiving and how do we relationally do that well and intentional, right? It's, again, I think as you think about this morning, it's more than us just being the Salvation Army, right? It's more than us just meeting physical needs or being good people or being better spouses or better uh, students in the classroom, whatever, right? 
This is about us intentionally pointing people to Christ. Amen. Right? And, and this morning it kind of stood out to me that the, that the, the props are up and the cross is, is gone, it's hidden. And oftentimes that's kind of how it looks a lot in our life, but especially during the holidays. Right? The props are up, the trees up, the presents are up, and the cross is like way out of memory until we land back maybe in January. So, again, as we look through that, we're just kind of thinking through that lens perspective. So, the first thing I want you to remember today is this, is that disciples follow Jesus. Earth-shattering, right? Like, uh, duh, like we get it already. But it's true, disciples follow Jesus, and, and really that's early on in John's Gospel. And today we're going to kind of walk through John's Gospel a little bit. So listen up. Um, you're going to see some on the screen, but kind of a little bit of background. In John 1, 29, John, John the Baptist is standing there, right? I mean, he's this, this final prophet from the Old Testament walking into the New Testament. And this guy is just, man, he is preaching on fire, preaching about the kingdom of heaven. And, and in verse 29, he, he says to his disciples, Behold the Lamb, what? The Lamb of God who takes away what? The sin, the the sin of the world. And then the text picks up. Look at me forward, verse 36, or verse 35. It says the next day, again, John was standing with two of his disciples. So disciples are clearly people that spend time together, right? It's hard to disciple someone you don't spend time with. So clear, disciples spend time together. And this is how you learn to begin to follow what that example looks like. Look what it says. And he looked at at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold the Lamb of God. The two disciples, these are two of John's disciples, they heard him say this, and look what it says they do, verse 37 there, and they what? They follow Jesus. Right, I mean, we've got to remember, in the midst of discipleship, it's, again, disciples are about those who follow Jesus, but it's not about them following us. Right, some of you, God's going to call and you're going to move on to other churches and other places, or you're going to move and different things, or some of you, maybe you, you've come here from other places. So again, it's a reminder, it's not about us competing with this church or that church, it's about God's kingdom. Right, and so you may be with us for a season, God may move you on, I, I don't know what it's going to look like for you, but we want to remember, it's about God's kingdom. And it's about following Jesus. And that's simply what they did. John points them to someone greater. Your life is about pointing them to someone who is greater. Someone who can take away their sin. And the disciples simply, they follow Jesus. Look what it says further in verse 38. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Listen to what he says in verse 39. Come and what? Come and follow me, or come and you will see. Right? See that? Come and you will see. It's going to be interesting. The disciples are going to pick up on that. But it's clear, again, discipleship is about following Jesus. Disciples are those who follow Jesus, Reverend. All right. So many of you have heard our story, my story, and Brother Blake's story. But we realize that there are new people that have come in, and you don't know our story. You don't know how the Lord brought us together. Um, just a very condensed version of that. Uh, my family and I had been at another church for many years, and we were happy. We were happy there. I thought we would be there the rest of our lives. I did. I never thought that I would ever leave that church. I, looking back now, it's easy for me to say I'd gotten really comfortable there. I, I was comfortable. And sometimes I think comfortable or comfort is, or it can be, a bad word especially if it blinds you to what your purpose is. But anyway, we were happy there. I had been there for many, many years. Karen had been there her entire lifetime. 
And uh, the Lord very clearly spoke to me and said, you're going to be leaving that church. And I didn't want to hear it at all. I did not want to hear any part of it. And I'm not proud of what I did, but for two years I fought the Lord. Fought the Lord. And it was two years of complete misery in my life. You could point to any portion of my life and it was misery. There was no joy. There was no peace. There was no contentment. And it was all because I wanted everything to make sense. I wanted to know if we were leaving, where were we going? Where were we supposed to go? Wouldn't that be important to know? Lord, you said we're leaving. Why are you not telling me where we're supposed to be going? And finally, I got to the point where I was willing to go, even if it made no sense. And once I stepped out at that point and said, Lord, I'm willing to follow you, he revealed the rest of it. And I realized he made it very clear that we were supposed to come here. And I thought it was for the purpose of playing the piano. That's that's why I thought I was coming. So they hired me to play the piano here. There was no trial, nothing like that. So I walked in here for the first time on January 1st, 2012, New Year's Day. And it wasn't at all like I thought it would be. Nothing about it was like, it didn't feel like I thought it was going to feel uh, when I walked in here. I don't really know what I thought it was going to feel like, but it didn't feel like that <laughs> to me, whatever it was. And I remember telling Karen on the way home that day, as I don't know what's going on here, but the reason we're there doesn't really have anything to do with music, I don't think. And so that was very unsettling to me because that's what I'd always done. And so the next Sunday that we were here, we came forward and moved our membership here. And one of the very first things that, that you need to know about Brother Blake and me, we didn't know each other at yeah. all. Uh, literally, when they come forward, I introduced you as Tony, Tony Young. Young. <laughs> yeah. 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 Which is proof I can get it wrong and people still stay around, right? Yeah. But yeah, I called it, introduced him as the wrong name. So. Yeah. But we wouldn't have been able to have picked each other out of a lineup. No. We did not. not know each other. But as soon as I met him, I became burdened for him that I should be praying for him. And I started praying for him. And so that next Sunday when we came forward to join the church, it's just like it is now. People come forward to join the church. The church affirms them, and then you come around and shake hands. That's exactly like it was then. And Brother Blake was the last person to come through the line to shake hands. And so I told him, I said, I just want you to know I'm praying for you. And I could tell that was special to him. That meant something to him. And so on the drive home again that day, the Lord said, okay, you've told him that you're praying for him, but I want you to call him and make an appointment, and I want you to go pray with him. And I'm telling you, I I did not want to hear that at all. And, you know, I've heard many people say before, it's so much easier to share with a stranger than it is a family member. And I'll, I'll tell you, I do, I can get that to a certain point, but I want you to know he was a stranger to me. And I was scared to death to do that. I am intimidating. Yeah. (laughs) He is. Some of the time, no. Um, No, he's not. Uh, The guy that you see here on Sunday mornings, that's the same guy he is every other day of the week. But I didn't know that then. I really didn't know that then. And and honestly, I don't know. Had I not gone through that two years of misery, I've often wondered would I have still done it? Would I have still called him? Would I have still made the appointment? I hope that the answer would have been yes, but I don't know. Um, because I, I was in a, at a completely different place in my life based on the misery that I had gone through over fighting the Lord. So I called him. 
schedule an appointment. And so I came in that day, I was, and I, I worked right across the street at the bank. That's where I worked the majority of my career. Walked across the street, scared to death, came in, and he immediately starts asking me all these questions. He thinks something's wrong is the reason I was there. If people come see me, let's be honest, yeah. most of the time it's something wrong, right? So I and just started I, a litany of questions. Right, like he did. Every family member, yes. what's the problem? Are, Kaylee, are how is she like? And yes. Isaac, Eli, yeah. Miss Karen. I just assumed it was, that. It was the typical questions. Yeah. And I didn't understand that then, but I do understand it now because general pe- and in general, people don't call and schedule an appointment for them to come pray with you. That's just generally not what happens uh, in the life of a pastor. But I came over that day, and he was asking me all those questions, and I'm, and I'm thinking, you know, I'm, I'm going to have to get back. I'm going to have to get back to work pretty soon. And so I said, well, can I tell you why I'm here? And he said, yes. And so I told him, I said, the Lord sent me to pray for you today. And it was almost like at that point he was like a jack, like a jack in the box. He jumped straight up out of his chair. He ran around to the side of the desk that I was on. He fell on his knees. And in that, that was the beginning of our relationship. It really was. I prayed for him that day. I couldn't begin to tell you anything that I said. Could not tell you one thing that I prayed for. But what I will never forget was the beginning of that relationship and how that came about. And so I began weekly to come back at that point just for the purpose of praying for him. And several weeks went by. He would always say, tell me what I can pray for you for. And I wouldn't tell him because I wanted it to be a time where he didn't have to minister to somebody else, that he was the one being ministered to. But in the process of all of that, God changed me. And, you know, there there are many people that have heard our story and said, oh, it, it took a lot of nerve to walk across the street. Maybe, maybe it did. But, you know, I guess you could flip it and say it took a lot of nerve for him to let me come. What if he had said no? What if he had said I'm too busy? What if he had said I don't have time for you today? It, it, wor- it works both ways. I think that maybe kind of like, typifies or kind of helps us establish point number two that it, disciples intentionally build relationships like and that's really I mean, one of the things we're trying to encourage you guys today is to build relationships right it started with a conversation after i called him the wrong name right down here he still said hey I, i'm praying for you um and then it went further right there was a phone conversation and then there was a face-to-face and then there was just continuing ongoing like there's intentionality right and that, that's one of the things we want to encourage you with today is just continuing to be intentional in your relationships right and so pick back up with you would back uh verse 39 of john 1 and so jesus says to them come and you will see so they came and saw where he was staying and they stayed with him that day for it was about the 10th hour One of the two who had heard John speak and follow Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. Look what it says. It's interesting. Verse 41. He first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. I think it's interesting that Andrew, if you read the Gospels, Andrew's just constantly a guy that people come and ask questions. Like the Greeks show up or somebody shows up with some, uh, like some, some food, right? And they're trying to feed all these people. And Andrew just constantly does one thing. He just takes people to Jesus. 
Like everybody else is like having this discussion, like who is Jesus? Andrew shows up on the scene and he just says, let's just go see Jesus, right? Andrew meets Jesus. First thing he thinks about is, it's his brother, right? And so what we're seeing with Andrew is he's very intentional in relationships. I mean, Andrew's relationship with John the Baptist, JB, right, is revolving around the kingdom of heaven, right? I mean, John is constantly preaching, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. And John is having conversation with his disciples about what does it mean that Jesus is the Lamb of God, right? I mean, they're having this dialogue. And so Andrew's relationships are intentional. In fact, his relationship with Jesus is intentional, right? I mean, he goes and spends time staying with Jesus. He begins to follow Jesus. Like, this intentionality, is, it's not just haphazard. In fact, his relationships are so intentional that he takes a very awkward step that I'm assuming many of you may have had maybe at least some leading this past week with family. Right? I mean, Brother Todd mentioned it, but I'll be honest, those are the hardest conversations for me to have. Spiritual conversations with family sometimes are so awkward and weird. And because of that awkwardness or because we're not sure what it's going to cause that relationship or we're not sure where it's going to end up, that we often just don't have it. And that's what stands out to me here about Andrew's intentionality. Look what it says again, verse 41. He first found his own brother, Simon. He went and found his biological brother and said, I have encountered someone that is indeed the Messiah, the hope of the world. This one has changed and transformed my life, right? I mean, there's this intentionality. So maybe just a few ways maybe that you could be more intentional in relationships. We throw that up there, Brother Todd? Talks about maybe just some ways that you could build relationships again, right? I mean, how do we do that? One's going deeper, right? I mean, most of you probably know somebody that's in the midst of some type of physical struggle, right? I mean, they're probably struggling with something physically, right? I mean, you know somebody that's sick. Some people are really sick. And so, that, like, we want to have dialogue like, hey, tell me, how would you find out about your test? What, what about the doctors? What are they saying next step? What are medications, right? I mean... Most of you probably have a relationship with somebody that's sick at some point. Probably right now. But I want to challenge you maybe to go deeper. To talk with them about, do you have any fears? Are you worried? Are you concerned? Like what might happen if, if you die or this doesn't go well? Like what's it mean for your children or grandchildren? I remember with my dad, I mean, one of his biggest fears was is that his grandchildren would never remember him. And that my kids, I mean, it's a little... But I remember that conversation with Dad. That was, that was one of the biggest hurdles we were facing. That was one of the biggest struggles, like, of just not remembering, right? So we've got to go deeper than just like, let's have this plan, let's have this in place. I mean, you need to start talking with folks and then talk with them about what their hopes are. Like, what, what do you hope might happen? I mean, how might we hope in the midst of this sickness that's going on, something greater, that there's a kingdom that's coming that's greater that will never be sick again. So as you again, you're building relationships, we want you to be intentional, go deeper. Secondly, See something, say something, right? It's kind of like a, uh, an adage that's used like for danger, right? You see something, you need to say something. But we want to encourage you as you build relationships, when you see God at work in the life of somebody else, say something, right? I mean, maybe you've got a coworker that you've just been pouring in and they're another follower of Christ and you see them in a moment in which they just show great patience, right? Or maybe they were kind to, to like someone that walked into the, the place where you work and they could have easily been a jerk in that moment. They weren't. Maybe you just would just affirm again, I Man, I saw the fruit of the Spirit in you in that moment. That kindness. Or maybe you know someone, or maybe it's your spouse, and they have a moment when the kids should make you just flip your wig and go bananas, and they don't. Maybe you just might affirm your spouse by just saying, 
man, I just saw God at work in your life. There was some serious self-control in that moment. Like we've got to learn, right, to see something and say something. So again, it may be something vocal. It may be you, maybe some of you are note writers or, or you're card writers. And so you see the Spirit of God at work in somebody in the church and you just want them to know, hey, listen, I want you to know that I've been seeing God's Spirit at work in you. Or you send a text message or make a phone call. Or third, I think this one is a great way to intentionally build relationships. Pray for them. Now I want to, I want to challenge you, right? There's steps in that. One is... Letting someone know that you're praying for them. The second one is taking another step. It's praying for them right then and there. Mm-hmm. And then there's a third step that I think really begins to make the relationship much more intentional. Right again, this is, this is Andrew going and finding his family. This is Andrew constantly looking to bring people to Jesus. There's intentionality. It's following up. Check on them, right? If you, if, they, listen, there's a, there's a young man preaching right now this morning in Louisville, Kentucky. It's his first time preaching. I, I'm not the best to remember him, but guess what? When he told us two or three weeks ago there at the KBC, I stuck it in my phone and put a reminder on my phone, 7 a.m. This morning, 7 a.m., popped up. McGee's preaching this morning. Send a text message. Hey, bro, I just want you to know I'm praying for you. Right? We've been praying, but I want to be intentional. So maybe you don't have the best memory. Guess what? Most of you have a phone. Put a reminder in there for that day when they tell you. I go to the doctor Tuesday at 3 p.m. Boom. I sent a text, hopefully at 2.30. I want you to know I'm praying for you and your family right now. If you're in that doctor's office, that means a lot. And then you check follow-up. Are, are you with me? There's intentionality. So let's build intentional relationships that constantly point to Christ. Brother Todd. All right. So one of the things that we want you to know is if we are truly Christians, discipleship is not optional. Instead, Amen. it's expected. Jesus expects it. Mark 8.34 says, And calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he, talking about referring to Jesus here, said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. And I guess it could just boil down to this one statement. We, we either follow Jesus or we don't. It's all or nothing. There is no middle ground. And Matthew 12, uh, verse 30 God's Word tells us, whoever is not with me is against me. And whoever does not gather with me scatters. And we want you to know this morning, as disciples of Jesus, we've got the responsibility to help others follow Him. Yeah, so that, that kind of brings us to number three here. And, and as we walk through John 1, some, I think one of the things we're going to see is that disciples walk beside each other and they point people to Jesus. And we've kind of been saying that in other ways, but I want you to see it intentionally in the text, right? I mean, because as you walk beside other people and you're trying to pour in or share the gospel with them, there comes hard moments. There becomes hiccups. There comes things that you're not aware of. You're not prepared how to even answer. Listen to it in the text right here. Uh, beginning in verse, is, is verse 43. All right, I'll, I'll just read. You're going to hear in verse 46, but I'm going to read beginning in verse 43. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Guess what Philip does? He follows now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael. Do you see a, a pattern? A disciple encounters Christ and they begin to look for someone else that either in their hometown, is in their family, or just maybe a stranger they encounter. Right? I mean, they're just intentional. Begin the walking beside people and they're pointing them to Jesus. So look what he does. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him who of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathaniel said to him, a question that maybe you've often wondered, can anything good come out of Greensburg? 
You ever wondered that? Can anything good come from your family? You ever wondered? I mean, you ever felt that? Like, can anybody ever from your family, from your side of the, the, the town where you live in, right? I mean, have you ever felt that? Like, could anything good come from you? Right? I mean, he asked that about Jesus. This is Jesus' background. So if you wonder, you got like a, a, a questionable, like, DNA pattern or family identity or place where you're from, if you've ever wondered, like, how could God ever use somebody like me? Jesus has the same questions asked about him. Nazareth? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? And that's the point of pointing people to Jesus. Guess what? You're going to get hard questions. They're going to ask you things that maybe you don't know. You're not sure how to respond to or challenging questions, right, as you begin to disciple. And, and that's one thing I love about Philip's apologetic, right, here, his defense of the gospel, his defense of who Jesus is. You know what Philip does? He repeats to him what Jesus had said to him. Listen to this, it's beautiful. Verse 46, Philip said to him what? Come and see. Now, that's the very thing that when he asked Jesus, where are you staying, right? The other disciples have been asking Jesus in verse 39 of John 1. Jesus said to them, come and see. So as you begin to share the gospel, listen, oftentimes you're sharing what other people have discipled you. You've heard. But man, listen, just point them to Christ. Folks ask me sometimes, like, listen, you get in very hard conversations, like, what do you say? Or are people like different religions? And, and sometimes, listen, I don't know. I don't know everything about Joseph Smith and the, the, the Moroni, the angel, and the peepstone. And I can't begin to cite all this thing about uh, the Quran and different things of different religions. So constantly, I just try to keep bringing it back right here. Right. Jesus, death, burial, and resurrection. So keep bringing people. Come and see about who He is. Point people continually to Christ. Brother Todd. All right. And, and again, one of the, the most effective ways to help people follow Jesus is by building relationships. And one of the things that we've got to realize is that it, won't necess- it will not necessarily be easy. It won't be. It, re- it doesn't necessarily require most of the time a financial investment. But it does require an investment. It requires the investment of your time. And accountability should be part of the discipleship. Like when, when you enter into a discipleship relationship with somebody, it, you need to give them the permission to ask you the tough questions. Like Brother Blake and I routinely ask each other very, very um, intentional questions. It's important that we stay in the Word. It's important that we're spending time alone individually with the Lord. It's important that we're asking each other, hey, are you remaining pure? Are your eyes seeing anything that they shouldn't see? Are you allowing your ears to hear anything that you shouldn't be hearing? Is your mouth saying something that you shouldn't be saying? True. And when, when you enter into that relationship, you've got to give the person the permission to ask you those questions. I, I've said many times, he, he knows me well enough now. I, not that I would ever intentionally lie to him to try to cover something up, but if I did, he'd know it. He would know it, and he would call me out on it, and I would do him the exact same way. So we wanted to take just a moment to tell you some of the things that we're thankful for. We've, we've been talking about Thanksgiving. 
uh, and how important that is. But here's some of the things that we are each thankful for. First of all, at the top of the list is God's call on each of our lives and that he called us specifically here. We want you to know we, we love serving with each other. We do. We, we truly do love each other. That's not something we just try to put on a front in front of you. Um, I've told many people, like most of you, if you know me very well at all, you know I have one sibling and it's a sister. And I love her dearly. If you know anything at all about me, you know I love my sister. But when I was growing up, I could not understand why I could not also have a little brother. I, I didn't understand that at all. And I had some conversations with my parents about it and they would have nothing to do with it. Not at all. And I couldn't understand that, but what I finally did understand is that I finally got that brother. I just had to wait 30-something years in order to get him. But it's, it's a blessing to serve with him. And our relationship started through discipleship. Mm-hmm. Even though I didn't really know that's what it was at the time, that's how, that's how it started. God used that to grow, grow our relationship. And we want you to know that the two of us attempt to keep each other informed. If you share a prayer request with me, I share it with Brother Blake and vice versa with him. Now, that's the only people we tell. It's, it's confidential between the two of us. But when, when you look at all you people, there's no way that one person can keep track of everybody. But it's important that we know what's going on in your lives. And so we, we share with each other. Yeah, I but not think, with anybody else. Yeah, I think it's you know it's significant. I mean, Hebrews talks about that um, that the shepherds are going to have to give an account for the souls of the people, um, and we take that seriously. And so that's one of the things that we try to be intentional about is, is as much as possible, just shepherding together as we look at how do we oversee the flock and how do we care and love for the people. And um, brother Todd intentionally, I mean, has uh, significant portions of his day given to that. Of just shepherding, and that allows me to spend more time studying and preparing to preach, and um, and, and providing maybe some oversight, some different things. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's it's definitely important. And man, I love and appreciate you. And um, yeah, absolutely, it's it's good to serve together as, as we try to. It is. It's great to serve together. And one of the things that we want to ask you to help us out with, sometimes people just assume that we know certain things. People might just assume that we know somebody is sick or that we know that they're in the hospital. And then sometimes people think, well, surely somebody's told them. They don't need a bunch of people telling them, so I'm not going to tell them. Here are hearts. <laughs> we would much rather be told 15 or 20 times than not to be told at all. Mm-hmm. So please, if you know of a need, if you know of somebody that has a need, please tell us. Even if we've heard it 25 times, we'll be glad to hear it 26 because we want to be able to intentionally pray for those people and, and to follow up with a visit if, if they need a visit. We want to know uh, another thing that we're thankful for is you, every Amen. one of you. Amen. We're thankful that the Lord brought you here as well. And it, it's a blessing for us to be able to serve as one of your shepherds. It really is. And we want you to know that pastors' hearts many times are difficult to describe. This, this is not a real exact analogy but it's the closest thing that i can that i can come up with for the ones of you who are parents you know the relationship that you have with your children you're happy when they're happy you're sad when they're sad that that's about as close as i can describe it 
as your pastors, we rejoice when you rejoice. Amen. And we hurt when you hurt. Amen. We absolutely hurt when you hurt. Amen. Many times we, sh- we carry heavy burdens and we might even appear to be withdrawn from you. But please know that during those times, it's not that we're trying to intentionally stay away from you. It's that we're carrying a burden that we can't talk about. And in those moments, we need, we need you. We need you to pray for us. Those and all of the other times as well. We are thankful when we can see God at work in your lives. There, there's rarely anything other than seeing somebody saved that excites us any more than that. We are excited. We are thankful when we hear of you discipling others. And it excites us when we go to visit somebody and they say, Oh, guess who was just here? That excites us beyond words that you're getting there before we do. We are so thankful for the salvations that the Lord has allowed us to see. But we long to see so many more. There There are nights that I don't sleep well at all. Because it's like a scroll of people that I believe are lost that are going through my mind. And many times I don't get a lot of sleep. And I really hope, this, this may sound weird to say, but I hope that you're at that same point. I hope that you're at that point in your life, in your relationship with Christ, where you are losing sleep based on your desire to see somebody in heaven. That, that's where I hope that you are. And then we are so thankful for those people who have influenced our lives, who are already with the Lord. We're looking forward to seeing those people again. That will be a wonderful, wonderful day. Amen. Brother Blake. Uh, The fourth and last, and I, I think it's really the bedrock of discipleship, and it's this, we are all in desperate need of grace. We all are in desperate need of grace. Whomever you disciple, they are going to need abundance of grace and guess what they're going to need to show you an abundance of grace too i mean it's it's really again at the heart of it It is just this 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 patience this kindness this gentleness this love this fruit of the spirit that's desperately needed for discipleship because it is sometimes so hard it's frustrating when you're trying to pour into someone you don't understand or sometimes it's hard when you're being the person that's being poured into like you don't understand like why are they saying that or why are they doing that or maybe why are they trying to i mean right or, or let's be honest sometimes we follow people and then we see them mess up and it's kind of like i'm not sure i can keep like trusting you like i mean right i mean so it there's moments where we just remind we all are in desperate need of grace. And I think that's kind of where John finishes his gospel. Right? I mean, Peter, this guy that you heard about earlier, he goes on to follow. And, man, he's faithful and he's just out there. He's bold. But, man, he makes a really big blunder. When it comes to Jesus' most desperate hour of need, as he goes to the cross, Peter's nowhere to be found. In fact, Peter is not only not there. Peter, when he is there, denies that he even knows Jesus. And John 21 reminds us of what discipleship, again, has at the heart of it. Forgiveness. Grace. Kindness. Right? I mean, again, whomever you're pouring into, they are not good enough. That's why they need Jesus. And guess what? You aren't either. That's right. And so we must be those who give grace, but also those who receive grace. And so in John 21, look at me, what, just verse 15 and 16. It's the third time Jesus reveals himself, and this time it's, it's Peter's jumped out of the boat. He's, he's come to the shore because Jesus is there. Jesus, was, by this point, has already been raised from the dead. And it says, when they have finished breakfast, Jesus says to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, 
Do you love me more than these? And he said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And I love this moment, again, of restoring Peter, of this moment of grace, right? Because the question is, Peter's just denied Jesus. Is he fit to now lead the people of God? Right? Maybe you've wondered that. Like, am I fit now to keep teaching? Am I fit to even sing a song this Sunday? Am I fit to, like, even share with that coworker? I mean, they, everybody knows what I did. Everybody knows maybe, like, the big blunder you've recently made or made three years ago. Or for some of you, man, Satan keeps keeping stuff over your head that's 20 years ago or more. Grace, beloved. Amen. Grace. Amen. Forgiveness, the cross of Christ, it's covered, it's forgiven, we're not perfect people, that's why we're here this morning, we're in desperate need of Jesus. That's right. That's That's the gospel. Amen. And Peter, Jesus says to Peter, feed my lambs. In verse 16, look what he says. He says to him a second time, because some of us, maybe you're like me, you don't get it the first time. Hello, McFly. Hello, McFly. Right? I mean, hello. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, tend my sheep. What a moment of grace in the life of Peter. And when we are making disciples and intentionally building relationships, it must be surrounded in grace. Amen. Amen. And man, that begins to apply to your marriage, right? I mean, that's the most important discipleship you have. Your spouse needs grace. You need it too. Children with your parents. Your mom and dad are going to mess up. They need grace. Parents, our kids are going to mess up. They're going to need grace. I mean, listen. Grace at the heart of the relationship with a co-worker. With some, another church member. Some of you need to show grace to another church member. I mean, you're harboring bitterness or resentment over stuff. I mean, just forgive. You may need to have an intentional relationship. I mean, conversation. Yes. But grace, beloved, that is at the heart of this gospel and it's at the heart of discipleship. Grace. That's all. All right. As we move towards the invitation today, it, it's very simple, actually. Uh, I want to take us back to the calling of the first disciples. Um, if you're thinking about that, the way that occurred, no matter which of the gospels that you are reading, Jesus issued a very simple set of instructions to those men. It was, come follow me. Come follow me. And guess what? He says the exact same thing today. Come follow me. Church, come follow me. All of you. I want 100% of you. Come follow me. And just one final word on discipleship today. Sometimes people wonder so What did Jesus exactly think about discipleship? If we look at the earthly ministry of Jesus, it was all about discipleship. He picked that small group of men and he poured himself into them. He walked with them. He spent his time with those men. And he got them to the point that they would choose men to pour into. And he does the same thing for us. He has the exact same expectation to us today. So question number one is, are you truly following? Are you truly a follower of Jesus? Remember, he wants all, not part. He is not satisfied with anything less than all of you. It's all or nothing. And then the second second question to you this morning is, who's your group? 
Who is your group, your small group that you are individually pouring into? And if you say there's nobody for me, yes, there is. Yes, there is. Sometimes we just have to open our eyes. Sometimes we don't necessarily want it to be that person, maybe. But if God has put them in your path, it is for a reason. I pray that we'll always be sensitive to the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So maybe today you're wondering, who, what is it that I need to do? Come and see. Come to Jesus. Come and bow at His feet. He'll tell you. He will tell you in His timing. When you seek the Lord, He He will He will eventually answer you. Sometimes it's immediate. Sometimes it takes a while. But who is it that you're supposed to be pouring your life into? There is somebody. Maybe you're here today and you do not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. There would be no finer day to give your life to Jesus than today. We always want to give an opportunity for those who do not know Jesus to come to Jesus. I I want you to know, the world will tell you that going to heaven is just something that happens when we die. That is not how it works. Not at all. Now, there's a lot of people that live their lives as if that were true. But you're going to go to heaven if and only if the blood of Jesus covers you. If you don't know whether or not it does, I would be afraid for your life to end right now. If you don't know for certain that Jesus' blood covers you, come forward. Brother Blake and I will be happy to speak with you, to pray with you, and to lead you to Jesus. Would you pray with me, please? Father, thank you for this day that you've given us. Father, thank you for... um, just allowing us to go through the season of thanksgiving over the last few days. And what I pray that it will not just be one day that uh, we experience. Lord, I pray that it will be something that occurs every day of our lives. Father, I thank you for the time that you've given us this morning to share our story. And Father, I pray that you were exalted through that. I pray that you were glorified through that. And I pray that each person here realizes that They too have a story. Father, I pray that you are burdening people's hearts right now to to start a discipleship relationship with somebody, to have an intentional conversation with somebody, to pray publicly with somebody. Lord, I, I feel like that you're moving throughout this place this morning, and I pray that we will always be sensitive to your moving in our lives. Lord, I pray that we will respond um, this morning. Father, I pray for the people here that do not know you as their Lord and Savior. I pray that this will be the day that they come forward and ask that question, what must I do to be saved? Father, thank you for your love, thank you for your mercy, and thank you for your grace that is greater than our sins. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. This is Todd Young with Greensburg Baptist Church. Thank you for joining us today. If you've accepted Christ during today's podcast, we would love to hear from you and connect you with a home church in your area. Or if you have questions regarding a relationship with Christ, Brother Blake and I would love to speak with you. Please contact us at the church office at 270-932-4495 or connect with us through our website at greensburgbaptist.com. In addition, you may visit our website anytime to access the sermon videos and podcast of any recent sermon. You may also subscribe to our podcast in the iTunes store. Have a great day today.